the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. Happy Go Lucky. Yeah. Today's a it's a Monday. Most times, I don't know. I mean, are there people that actually like Monday? I don't know. Uh, I didn't like today because I drove for over four hundred something miles. But you know, you know what? Like, I I actually drove. I started Uber. Right, as weird as that sounds, and I actually enjoy it. I'm like i've i've only had like two jobs my whole life right so this is my third job i had in my life and it's kind of cool i mean i'm sure like everything just like anything that's cool at first is going to be fucking you know life draining but it's interesting perspective to like pick up random strangers you may never see again how long have you been at your current job 21 years jesus did did they give you an award yet Actually, I had to ask the HR lady because she's been kind of like kind of behind on shit. So I wonder what I'll get. <laughs> You're like, I've been here for over 20 years. You want to get anything? They're going to give you a little plaque that this has your name on it. It says 20 I, years of service. I think they give you like a book of prizes and you can choose one, but it's been so long. Well, I should say it hasn't been that long. I First time I've ever been in my a job for 20 years, but... I guess we'll see what I what, what we get. But I was with the state for eight years, and I think consistently that was the longest. I don't typically job hop, right? But like I got out of high school, I worked at a trailer factory for like two and a half, almost three years, mm. and then I wanted to go to school, so I went to school for a semester. So I worked at Sam's Club until they fired me because I called the boss a dick. Um. But was he? Yes. <laughs> Only job I've ever been fired from because I had food in the area even though I was on my break and he wanted me to throw it away. And I told him no. And he got mad and yelled at me and told me to throw it away. And I said, whatever, dick. And then I got in trouble and fired. That was pretty dickish. Like, if you're on your break, then what the hell? Yeah, he's a short little guy. Oh, that's probably why. Like, he was probably like five foot nothing. He's really just angry at the world because he's little i guess i don't know i feel like that's a that's a whole dark side in itself why (laughs) short people have to be so fucking angry about shit i'm six three and he was like five foot so i towered over him so he just hated me for that i'm assuming i can see that i mean 
It's not my fault you're like a tree, tree beard looking motherfucker. <laughs> tree beard. Tree? But, but that's weird. I but that's am funny. no tree. <laughs> that is funny though. Like we both ranting about driving, yet my experience was good, but you hated yours. But you know what you're exactly what you're getting into. But me, on the other hand, I don't know what each ride entails. And I, I don't know. Yeah. It's it, like it's kind of like I said. It's kind of cool because I've never done something like this. But I have an idea. What's that? You should set up a camera and have dashboard confessionals going on. <laughs> talk to your talk to your people. Tell them you're going to be recording, and you can use their stories as part of the podcast. They don't even have oh, to like be driving a, around. No, yeah, I probably forget it's the on, and then screw something up, and then offend someone. <laughs> like. Why is that camera on? I'm like, oh, sorry. Wait a minute. Is this fake taxi? No. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 I'm good. I want to keep my job. Not trying yeah. to hit on you, lady or gentleman. <laughs> but yeah, that that could go. Yeah, I'm. I, well, my friends were like, man, you better have like your seats like covered because you might get a drunk person to piss in your car. And I'm like, thanks for hexing me. You know, so yeah, I don't know. I, I couldn't do it because I hate people. So, I well, I mean, that's what I th- initially thought, and then they just kind of get in, and then some of them don't talk. I mean, there was this girl today that talked to me, talking about her seeing Taylor Swift and shit, and I'm like, you know, talking about her day, and that's fine if I can be a therapist of some sort. You know, I've if only it helps, if it helps my tip. <laughs> I've only used an uber once and that was when we got out of the airport in las vegas a couple years ago and the guy kind of scared me from his driving but i'm assuming that's how they have to drive out there i don't know oh that would be kind of terrifying it was just it was it was quick and in and out and he had a really thick accent he wasn't i don't even i couldn't even pinpoint like where the accent was like it's obviously european accent but Mm. it, it was interesting i was like oh we're done with uber and then we got out of the uber walked down the thing and i seen that crackhead bum taking a shit or piss on the sidewalk i was like oh yep we're in vegas man that was (laughs) right out the gate (laughs) one yeah right at the one thing after another (laughs) welcome vegas yep the city that keeps on shitting i don't know what (laughs) they call it the sin city i was like well it looks like shit city to me but you know (laughs) city hell yeah anyways um We've got a guest in waiting. Some of y'all might know this person, but others probably not. Just because that's how we roll on this place. <laughs> yes. But yeah. Thanks to everyone still kicking it with the old dark side of the scene crew here. Ed and I and all of our many, many staff members. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We fired some of them because of that one guy, right? Yeah. We had to had to go through and delete people or something. I, I don't know whatever anyways they were fired but uh yeah thanks for sticking with us if you want to be on dark side of the scene send an email to brandon at dark side of the scene.com and we will get you scheduled on a future episode but hang tight and we will be back in a second I'd like to take this time to welcome keith to the show keith thanks for coming out and talking to ed and i thanks for having me Definitely. Wampler. You're not related to the guitar pedal guy, are you? Just, I'm not. You're not. Have you, been at, 
have you been asked that before i have damn it i'm not original anyway <laughs> i want to i want to know how long have you been in music um i started kind of jamming with my friends in like high school so like 2005 mm. uh started playing shows in 2007 and started touring in 2009 so you just like made your way up there like within yeah huh now did you just did you want to be a vocal are you a vocalist mostly <laughs> yeah at this point yeah when i started out i played guitar oh nice um and i played guitar for all the little like we get together and jam in a basement kind of bands and then we started playing shows and my first like three or four shows were on guitar nice and it got to the point where we could find guitar players there was tons of guitar players but everybody that wanted to do vocals was either really flaky or just kind of sucked so i decided that i was going to give it a shot and just kind of never went back to guitar um i still i still play i still contribute to the writing with the band and all that kind of stuff but i'm definitely more of a vocalist than a guitar player at this point yeah playing guitar is overrated in my opinion but like that's cool that you know you started from one i bet you a lot of people would know that about you that you're actually a guitar player because it's cool that a vocalist actually knows how to play because they can actually like figure out patterns and yeah you know like be in tune with the instrument when they sing versus like a singer that doesn't know how to play guitar which like me you'll have that too <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, awesome. You, you didn't so, ask what band are you in? The Convalescents. 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 Yep. You know, for the longest time, I got you, your guys, and the Browning confused. I don't know why. Maybe it's, it's the artwork. I don't know. I don't you know. know. Those, those guys are cool. They got some jams. Yeah, pretty jammy. But um, so I used to talk to one of the drummers from that band, and then he became like famous for making a rip on slipknot with that jug on his face meme oh noah yep <laughs> he's cool he's doing comedy now he had his fingers in a little bit of everything back yeah. then. he was trying to get me to be part of his street crew for zombie something. zombie shark records yep he'd sent me like a free t-shirt and some swag to pass out at our shows when my band was playing shows like all right it's like had stickers for the zombie shark stuff out there and everyone's like what the hell is that is like there's some dude's label that he sent me stuff too yeah we we toured with him when he was in moto grader yeah um yeah, he's a real good dude said i haven't talked to him in years but no i'm used to still be on my facebook and then i seen he posted up something with a that jug on his face and then it like went viral yeah yeah i remember that yeah interesting you mean like where it's like cut out that guy? Yeah. No shit. Oh, huh, I thought it was just some random dude. <laughs> nice. No, that's his name's Noah. Oh, nice. He used to be the drummer in the Browning, and he was in Motograder and some other ones. Damn, busy. So, so, so how many bands did you have before, like Keith? But like, let's see, when you started kind of playing out like live, like what was that first band? 
Um, I was really only in two bands that were like relatively serious before starting the convalescence. Um, mm. My band in high school was called Stilt Zombie. It was like a terrible band name, mm. but uh, we played like maybe 30 shows all together over the course of like two years. And we That's got signed, we got signed to like uh, just a little indie label in like Northwest Ohio. And they recorded our, a couple records. We put out like two CDs and a demo um in that time and then everybody just as we were getting out of high school and stuff decided that they kind of wanted to play different styles of music or they wanted to go to college or this just wasn't their thing or whatever and a local band called dissection their singer was leaving to go to college and i was we knew those dudes pretty well from the scene and everything. And I was still looking to do this seriously. And they hit me up knowing that we were having some issues and that they were losing their vocalists. And I'm like, Hey, do you want to come sing for us? It would be cool. We'll change the name. We're just going to start it as like a new band. Um, so I joined dissection. We changed the name to blood of the prophets. And that was in 2008 um started touring in 2009 and that band went through like 2011 um and then we had a a split up kind of thing and i started the convalescence in 2011 um and i've just been rolling with that for the last 12 years damn so you just came from the basically had a road ready band and you just decided to start a new one fresh like how yeah. hard how hard was that like these are all these guys near you like when you first started when i first started yeah everybody was from toledo mm. how was um, that sorry but quickly that was you know by by 2013 i was the only one from toledo mm. so it was just kind of trying to find you know and it's touring's rough man so it's you got to find people that really want to do this. Yeah. Because it sounds like you were just, you got, once you got a taste of it, you never wanted to not do it. Yeah. I I love being on the road. Yeah. I mean, how, how was it in your, before the, through the convalescence, how was touring with that band? Like, how did that go? Um, I mean, it was cool. I was like 17 the first time we went on tour. Damn. Um, so just everything was super crazy to me because I had never really like we didn't go on like family vacations. We didn't like do any of that stuff. So I had really never been out of Ohio, and like Michigan and like Pennsylvania like once. And our first tour, you know, we kicked off the tour in New York City and we went down the East Coast of Florida and like over to Louisiana and back up through Chicago and everything. And we were gone for like three weeks on the first run. and We had no idea what we were doing. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it showed. Uh, definitely showed in our wallets um, that we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Hmm. Uh, um, but you know, we just we kind of learned from it and just went out. Uh, and I mean, even back then, I was booking a lot of the shows myself, um, just hitting people up on like MySpace um, to get shows and whatever. So it was definitely a bit rougher, you know, once I started the convalescence, I kind of had a little bit more knowledge, but I mean, 
we started from nothing. Like, I think our fifth show was our first tour date. Hmm. Um, we played like three, three out of the first four shows were festivals with the convalescents. And then we went on tour. Um, because I just, I didn't want to take a step backwards like myself as much as I could help it. Um, and like, you know, I, I know a lot of people in Northwest Ohio. I know a lot of people in Michigan and stuff. So I was fairly confident that when we played this area, we'd be able to get people to come out and check it out at least. And I was more worried about going all these new places and like, you know, making new fans places that weren't, weren't as accessible for us. Yeah. Um, how was the Toledo scene at the time? Like this music scene? Um, Toledo's, you know, always been pretty good. Uh, I know when I was younger, like starting out playing the 2007 through like probably 2009, 2010, like if you couldn't, you know, it was all pre-sales, you know, uh, to open for Mushroom Head or to open for Dope or MSI or stuff like that. So, uh, a lot of the shows were that kind of thing. You had to sell tickets as a local. And I mean, if you couldn't sell at least like 75 to a hundred tickets, it was hard to even get a show. Um, there was tons of bands that were just like working. And I mean, you'd go to local shows and it would just be packed. Um, but you know, it's not quite like that anymore. It's a little harder um, but it depends on the show, man. Cause I mean, there's still Toledo shows that are metal that, you know, sell out all the time and stuff like that. I wouldn't say we have the strongest metal scene in the world, but, um, I don't think it's bad. Hmm. That's good. You're basically like the hometown hero there, right? Like, isn't, are you friends with the, uh, is it mobile death camp or mobile? Oh Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh. I've known Mobile Death Camp forever. Oh, because he always he always throws in the word Toledo, and it says, yeah. like, "This is one from Toledo." <laughs> like, does it yeah. every few seconds? That guy's we, hilarious. We played a Toledo show, uh, headline show back in March, and Mobile Death Camp played it. Mm, nice. They're drummers from my area. He only he lives over in Logansport. Yeah, he, he yeah no he he drives everywhere. He always has a smile on his face. He's really nice. Yeah, he's a nice dude. Ch Chad, Chad. That's yep. Nice. Chad. Yep. Nice. So, at uh, so you okay? So you started convalescence. So like, when did things start picking up for you? Does was it like a long time in coming, or just slowly, um, progressively? I guess. What do you mean by like picking up? Just like kind like of more serious. Well, yeah, more. Yeah, obviously more serious. Like, when did you start thinking? Well, I'm gonna keep pursuing this. It's been how much time basically passed before you were like, okay, we got something going. Because it's hard to you know keep a band going and wondering if it's like making traction and etc yeah i mean like i've always been pretty driven to do this so like i i never really had the thought of like man i'm gonna give up or whatever like even mm -hmm. when we were starting out um but i would say 2014 like the end of 2013 early 2014 um we had signed on with uh cb entertainment at the time for management um, with Chris Bianchi and he started kind of like helping us out, kind of trying to steer us in the right direction a little bit. Um, we got signed to ferocious records, which is based in like Cleveland. It's a, it's a really small label. That was kind of a startup label. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and we went and recorded our album the process with uh john burke from uh the band forever in terror Mm. um out in cleveland and uh that was the first record that like I don't know. A lot of a lot of people reached out to me and were like, "Whoa, dude, what happened? You guys sound like a real band." <laughs> and like, I, you know, we had never really had anything that was like truly like produced like by somebody that cared. We had recorded one demo ourselves, um, in like a bedroom, and then we had recorded another EP. Uh, in Michigan, but it was one of those, like, we went to a really nice studio and they're like, cool, well, we're going to hit record and when this is done, you guys are going to leave. Like, they were just kind of trying to get us through there. Huh. Uh, more, and, like, the producer that we worked with, like, super did not listen to death metal uh, and did not know why we were tuning to drop A and did not know what I was going for vocally. Yeah. Um, he's just like, what the hell is this? Um, so they were really anxious to kind of get us out of there. Um, whereas, uh, when we went with John in 2014, it was a way better fit. He had been in a metal band, uh, that was on metal blade and he, you know, kind of knew what we were going for and kind of helped mold the sound a little bit. It was more of a a metal core ish kind of sound. And that's when we really, we had done the paint before. But that's when we started going like all out, like the whole band is going to do like full paint. We're going to have stage uniforms. We're going to, you know, add some props to our stage show, like stuff like that. And at the time we were using like really cheap party city paint and like little stupid like skulls and stuff you buy around like Halloween time. And like it was super cringe. Um, What gave you the idea for the, the paint painted faces and looking dead? basically the corpse paint thing well i mean what what we were kind of trying to do man is like there's so i've always been a big fan of like the theatrical stuff Hmm. um even when i was a kid you know i listened to rob zombie listening to slipknot you know stuff like that and uh i always thought the show was so cool and it was so cool that like these performers were kind of uh making themselves more than just like a dude up there playing Mm -hmm. like it was this whole character and this whole thing and like there was this theme you know and it was like it almost seemed like it was more accessible and easier to like get into it like it was almost like a movie or like something like that you know Mm -hmm. uh you felt like you were at a show when you were seeing it live versus i'm watching these dudes play their songs and uh so I, i i guess i just kind of felt with us just being up there in like band shirts and like jeans that it was boring. Um, so we started getting into that and just the more we get into that, you know, I'm always trying to think of what's the next thing we can do. How do we make this cooler? How do we make this bigger? How do we, you know, when, when we hit the stage, how do we make people, that have not seen us before just be like, holy shit. Um, And that's kind of where we wanted to go with it. We wanted to put on a show. Yeah. That's a, that's the most important thing right there. And it's funny. You were talking about the the whole outfits. Like I feel like for most bands, it's important to look the look, 
and look like kind of each other like each other yeah it's like <laughs> i was telling a friend earlier about like how usually when a band dresses up with like do rag or jeans and like a ripped off ripped up black shirt i don't know usually when they look like they're bikers it's usually like a really cringe like god smack metal and it's like a stereotype but usually they look that way and i don't <laughs> i don't know i just feel that way that way like i told my band like we're all black at least look like you're in a band versus you know wearing what you wore when you got off work at a factory and getting on stage like i you know visually sometimes that's important i mean actually that is yeah important. yeah and, and don't get me wrong man i've seen some bands that i'm like man this looks like it's gonna be rough and all of a sudden dude they start playing and they're just ripping man right right and i'm like wow dude this band <laughs> really be something and they're just like it, yeah it, it's weird because you can't judge them by the way they dress either it's like yeah. that's just how they are but to yeah. me, I'd rather be kind of uniformed. I don't know, not uniform, but like all black, mat, match, similar outfits. Even kind of look like outfit. you're from the same band. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> or and sometimes everybody dresses that way, and you don't know who the fucks in a band at one point. But right. Yeah. But it's cool that you took you know the theatric way and just look the way you guys do. Um, I was yeah. going to ask you. So I a one. So let's see. You guys have been together that long. So many linemen. Of, lineup changes did you have in the call convalescence like a lot a lot like how did how did that all go like i know like you said the touring life ain't for everybody but it's like do you immediately like find people or it's just yeah explain all that like i'd like to hear some i I mean like we tour so much that we know so many people all over the place Mm. and with the band kind of being set up to be remote it really doesn't matter where you're from so how remote is remote like this is these are kind of interesting how some uh like we have members in ohio we have members in michigan we have members in texas what um so like we don't if we're not touring or we're not recording or something like we don't see each other oh wow so which which members in texas just curious uh our bassist ron Oh and, damn! Uh, lives near Houston, and our guitarist Brandon lives in Houston. My God, dude! So you just have like remote practices, or no? We just don't. We say, oh, wow. "Hey, this is what this is the set list we're gonna play for the tour," and uh, everybody shows up. Uh, you know, a couple days before the tour, and we clean the bus out from the last tour, and we uh, sometimes we'll do like a like an instrumental practice at our drummer's house. Um, but usually we'll just, we book out a day. Uh, we have this really kick-ass venue in Toledo called Main Street Bar and Grill. And that's where we've been doing our shows the last few years. And the owner and manager and everybody there is super cool to us. And before we go on tours, they let us come in and do full venue rehearsals of our show. Nice. Um, so we we travel with our own sound guy and stuff like that. Um, so we bring everything in. We got geysers. We got to make sure they all work. All the lights are working. Uh, that all the props are set up properly. That you know all the sound is right. He saves our scene so he can take it on the road with us. Um, and just all that kind of stuff. Uh, just getting everything as fine tuned as we can before we leave. So we'll usually spend seven or eight hours 
in that in that day just testing everything and running through stuff and getting sounds and load up and go basically basically right right so let's just say so at one point like you basically have a crew now i mean yeah nice and how, how long ago did that start happening I mean, that's what i mean like the more progressively you got bigger when when did these things start happening um well like okay so we were talking about like 2014 when the process came out that's when we first started getting like any kind of real attention hmm. and we didn't really have the money to like do a bunch of crazy advertising or like hire like awesome people to do cool stuff for us or any of that kind of stuff. So we were just like, well, what's the best way that we can just get ourselves out there and like make people have to like know who we are. And we decided that the answer to that was going to be, we're just going to play as many shows as we possibly can. Um, And we did a tour that was like 286 days straight shit we just didn't go home we just kept cruising around in the van and people were like dude come play this show with us and we would like route dates to that and then somebody would be like come play in my living room and we're like sick yeah and we'd like go cruise over there and play there and you know there was times where like we didn't have any shows for like three or four days and somebody would be awesome and like let us sleep on their couch or floor or whatever for those couple days um but yeah we stayed out for like it was not far it was like two-thirds of a year <laughs> you know it was wow. a long time and Just... uh eventually it got a little bit of attention and we landed a tour with uh as blood runs black and rings of saturn at the end of 2014 and that was like the first big tour we had done um and coming out of that into the next year we went out with cryptopsy and Disgorge, we went out with Il Nino and Moto Grader. Uh, we played Mayhem Fest in Pittsburgh with Slayer and King Diamond. Uh, we did Dirt Fest up in Michigan with like uh, Cole Chamber and Hell Yeah. Um, and by 2016, we had actually left Ferocious Records. Um, they were super awesome to us and everything. I think we just kind of outgrew the label. It was like a small, like little indie label label that was run by like one dude in Cleveland. Um, so we signed with uh, 313 Entertainment Group, which was part of E1 Music. Um, and we released Poison Words, which we had also done with John Burke, but we had it uh, mixed and mastered by Chris Donaldson from Cryptopsy. Mm uh and that's when we did our first europe tour uh we went to europe with suffocation and cattle decapitation nice um and it, you know it was learning a whole new set of things and we had like the worst luck ever um so that tour was a bit rough for us um but at least we we got over there um we came back they we we did south by southwest we did a bunch of headlining dates, like a, an obscene amount of headline dates um, for like the album coming out and stuff. And we opened for Slipknot in Wisconsin at Rockfest. We opened for Disturbed and Breaking Benjamin at uh, Pine Knob in Detroit. Um, 
And yeah, we just like stayed on the road pretty constant through that. Uh, end of 2016 into 2017, we recorded This Is Hell um, and got signed to Unique Leader Records. Um, and we went out on the road with OTEP, uh, followed by a tour with Testament and Sepultura. Uh, and then we went back out with OTEP and got kicked off that tour. Uh, and that was a whole big thing in all the the news media. Um, and then we finally dropped the record. We went out with uh, Venom Inc. and Goat Whore and uh, did a headline run. And 2018, you know, we were still just touring on This Is Hell. We did a bunch of headline stuff. Um, we went on tour with The Faceless and Lorna Shore. Mm. Um, we did Michigan Metal Fest and uh, 2019 we had recorded uh, we got dropped by Unique Leader Records um, they wanted us to like kind of change a bunch of stuff that we didn't want to change um, so it was just kind of a disagreement I guess so they dropped us and we signed with our manager at the Times label uh, Legend Recordings uh, and we really we released Monument of Misery, um, which we were pretty stoked on. It was the first one to like it charted number three on iTunes metal charts. It was in the top 200 on albums on iTunes. Uh, it hit number eight on the Billboard Heat Seekers charts. Um, and we were starting to have like fairly good turnouts, you know, at, at, at these shows um, on the headlining runs and stuff like that. Uh, we ended up going to, we did Michigan Metal Fest again. We ended up going to, uh, we did Blue Ridge Rock Festival with like the Offspring. Um, and then we went over to Europe with Six Feet Under. Um, and that was the last thing we did before everything got put on pause for like two <laughs> years. Um, oh. And during that, we... Uh, released two documentaries that we put together ourselves through uh, Amazon prime video. Um, and we decided, you know, we can't play a show and everybody's got to be like kept apart. So what can we do to like be relevant right now uh, with not being able to do anything? So we, those documentaries have been doing really well on Amazon. So we put them together and we made like a previews, kind of like clip where it played our album and had a bunch of like our personal tour pictures. A lot of them were just like funny and like just stupid. Right. Um, but like we rented out a movie theater in my hometown and we had to do like, you know, uh, spaced apart seating and everything. So we were able <laughs> to sell like 130 tickets or something. Nice. And we sold it out in advance. Um, and it was, it was a blast, man. We all went there in like full corpse paint, but we were all like dressed up and stuff. And, uh, we were, we had merch up, set up in the lobby of the movie theater and like just the whole movie theater was just filled up with like metal heads and stuff watching this. Nice. Um, so that was a blast. That was the only thing we really got to do like in person with anybody during all this. Um, 2021, we went back out on the road. Um, how did that feel? After all that bullshit, it was just such a relief. Mm. Um, 
because we had spent the first part of the year we went to uh audio hammer studios in florida and recorded oh, nice Tupac. and uh when we got the, got the record done we we're like man all we want to do is go out on the road we want to play for our fans we want to spend time with people you know and we did like a three-day run like iowa and then we we headlined slam dakota death fest in south dakota and then did uh joliet illinois on the way back and all three shows were just jam-packed and just so much energy and it was awesome and uh we had actually had a tour booked in 2020 with filth um and like us headlining with filth opening up and blood of angels as the opener and uh we rebranded the tour since we had to cancel it we rebranded it uh for 2021 it was our 10 year anniversary tour uh so we played songs from like our whole discography uh which was the longest set we've ever played but we had such good turnouts on that tour jungle rot was on three dates of it with us um we headlined central florida metal fest uh so that was all really cool but we kind of kept it light through 2021 uh, we did this crazy thing where uh, we had two festivals that we were on that got obviously canceled and rescheduled for 2021 uh, that ended up being on opposite sides of the country in the same weekend. Um, and we were opening on Friday, I think it was, or no, Saturday, we were opening for Judas Priest and Sabaton in Orlando, Florida. Nice. And then Sunday we were at the incarceration festival with Rob Zombie. So we we played and then got on a plane and flew and then played again. So it was like uh, two shows, twelve hundred miles apart in eighteen hours. <laughs> um, so that nice. was that was pretty wild. Um, and we did a big Halloween bash kind of thing with a uh, three day run with Battlecross. Um, and then 2022, we kicked it off with uh, in Orlando with Godsmack and Three Days Grace uh, for Earth Day birthday. Uh, did a whole headline tour around the states. Um, we did another like festival run. We played Michigan Metal Fest, Toledo Death Fest, Rust Fest, Summit Fest, all that kind of stuff in the Midwest. Um, and then we went to Europe at the end of last year with uh burials body snatcher chelsea grin and carnifex um and did 22 shows over there um and this year uh we signed with extreme management group uh to take over management for us um we did the no survivors tour with uh casket robbery and ignominious opening up for us and it was the highest attendance we've ever had from a headline tour um and then we just did part one of the one of the dead tour uh with summoner circle and war on the east coast um that kicked off with toledo death fest and we got signed to cleopatra records so we'll be releasing a new record like later this year the one that we recorded in 2021 will finally be coming out um and we're about to leave for part two of the one of the dead tour. Nice. Like, how do you, rem yeah, how do you remember all that? Like, I was there. I was there. 
No, I mean like all those, all that information. Like, did you write all that um, down? You must be. Were you a librarian at one point in your life? <laughs> I, I don't think so, but I did book all of it. Oh, uh, so basically, you're the, you're the band dad of all this this creation. Oh yeah, for sure. How how do you enjoy that role? I mean, like, um, those... it's cool and sucks at the same time. I bet. Um, because it's like it's like cool because like you know, you get to make the decisions and um, I like being really hands-on with what we're doing and it's more than like a hobby or a job for me. Like I think about this stuff like all the time. So I, I enjoy doing it. Um, However, you know, when it comes down to, all right, time to wrangle the drunk band members to get them back in the bus. Oh boy. uh, When something stupid happens and i'm the guy that's got to go take care of it or you know um if there's like authorities or something and who do we talk to here and everybody oh, to me yeah oh my those God. are those are the the best times you know well i'm sure there are that's when you know <laughs> that's when you know like great i'm the i'm the adult all of a sudden yeah yeah the, co- the, the corpse painted adult right yeah yeah you got to basically you got to play the last back to your stories like you basically played the last mayhem festival ever yeah we did that's that's awesome and sad because i was i went to one of the 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 one in illinois and it was cool but it was sad that they stopped doing all that shit yeah i I really miss mayhem and ozfest and i would think they bring it growing up to do yeah yeah I heard it's pretty expensive to get on that. I mean, we don't have to disclose that, but apparently it's a lot of money to, you know. <laughs> we got yeah. lucky. We got on because yeah. we were sponsored by Coldcock Whiskey. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> and they and they picked like a band from each region nice. to like play a show of Mayhem that year. Yeah. And we were not from Pittsburgh, but for some reason they hit us up and were like, you guys want to play the Pittsburgh date? And we're like, yes. Absolutely, we do. You probably had the numbers. That's cool, though. I mean, you basically, like, hit the ground running and ate the shit for a long time. Yeah. I mean, when you said you played, you literally play anywhere you did. And then, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, you got to eat the shit and then actually go on tour and see if you actually like it. And then slowly make connections and you probably have like a million of them by now and that's probably why you're a busy guy <laughs> yeah band dad plus like friend dad to everyone yeah i uh usually when we're when we're on the road uh doing stuff like that like um because i'm a i i book i'm a booking agent for like a living mm-hmm. um so i'm constantly booking tours not only for us but for like I have a roster of like 20 bands. What made you want to do that more? Like that sounds like more stress you don't want to have, but maybe you like it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I It's because I'm still working with music and I'm still working with metal um, and I can do it from the road is, mm. the, is the biggest selling point for me is when you spend six months, eight months, nine months, whatever on the road every year, like we do and you don't have a source of income aside from like what you're making from these shows that isn't getting sucked up by the bus or 
merch or advertising or whatever, um, you know, there's not very much left at the end of the day. Hmm. Um, so if you're, uh, if you don't have any kind of an income aside from that, you only have those couple months when you're at home to try to make all your money for the year. True. And like most places aren't going to want to hire you for the next two weeks. Right. Or whatever. So um, it gets really hard when you're trying to come home and get a new job every single time. And they're Mm -hmm. like, why did you quit your last eight jobs? It's like, oh, the same reason I'm going to quit this job in three weeks. You show them a picture of your stage outfit just yeah. on, the appli- on, the, on the application. Yeah. <laughs> no way. They're not going to hire you. <laughs> right. So, I mean, some some people, you know, get lucky and they got bosses that are, like, really supportive. Right. And are just like, yeah, dude, go do it. You know, chase the dream. That's killer. Come back when you, when you can. And that's awesome that there's places out there that are like that, but not everybody gets that lucky. Um, so... This way, you know, and it, it kind of makes it easier being on the road as a booking agent because if somebody hasn't answered your email, you might be at their club in two days. Yeah. And then you can just <laughs> be like, hey, dude, why didn't you answer my email? Um, but yeah, I mean, we get to work with bands and I, I get to actually go out there and see the bands that I work with and play shows with them and you know, hear firsthand and I know what's going on with, with them, you know, when they're having certain issues and stuff on the road, I can actually give helpful advice because I've been there. Um, so I try to, you know, just, it it gives me a little bit of stability to be able to work full time, even when I'm out on the road. Um, but yeah, I have, like I said, I have a roster of 20 bands um, that I that I book and I run Toledo Death Fest mm. um, every year in Toledo uh, and do vocals for the band and I usually tour manage while we're on the road as well. Nice. So I, it's a lot. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. It sounds like a lot, but I think you obviously have a system by now, so that makes total sense as to why you're able to juggle them all. <laughs> Yeah, they all kind of loop into each other to some yeah. extent. Yeah. So basically, you already explained what you did during the lockdown. So mm-hmm. I guess the whole, if we get into it, so the whole, th- you know, theme of the show is the dark side of the scene. So what is some like random shit that sucked during your career? Like that you're <laughs> able to, that you're able to disclose without like, you know, being too, you know, dark side ish, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, you got a million stories, I'm sure. Yeah, but... I'm just trying to like narrow it down. Right yeah, now. oh yeah. There's been a fair amount of suck over the years. Oh sure. Um, how about the earliest suck? <laughs> the earliest ones. I mean, the earliest stuff was just trying to find band members that would stick around for more than like three shows. Mm. You get the dude, and he'd like come to practice and like learn the songs. You're like, sick dude, we got a new guitar player, and then they just stop talking to you and like not show up anymore. You know, that kind of just the flakiness, I guess, in the early days is the biggest thing. Um, But our. uh, I would say one of the one of the early ones. um, We well, 
we had two that were sure. like in the first or at the beginning of 2016 they were both uh international things uh the first time we ever got to go to europe you know we didn't know what we were doing um i had never been to europe mm-hmm. nobody in the band had ever been to europe <laughs> so we're just like well we're gonna fly over there and see what happens and we were supposed to do 10 shows with abiotic, cattle decaf, and suffocation. And we went over there. And like at the time, our music was nowhere near as heavy as what it is now. So it was like a metalcore band on like the ultimate death metal tour. <laughs> so like on our best day, we still sounded like shit compared to everybody else on the tour. <laughs> um, just like musicianship wise and like everything um just sounding way too happy a lot of the time um so that was a a hurdle in itself but i was stoked because i I love all those bands we get there um and my friend bastion who used to play in the band nightshade um who did their first u.s tour with my old band uh blood of the prophets so that's how i knew him um worked for the company that booked the tour and he's like, Hey man, to save you guys on transportation, um, I'll drive you in nightshades van. And we're like, sick dude. He's like fly into Paris. Like I'll pick you up in Paris and we'll drive to the first show, which was in like Warsaw, Poland. So like once we got there, it was going to be a long drive. And, uh, he picked us up at the airport and he's like, yeah, dude, I was just at the mechanic. I just had this work done. Everything's awesome with this van. We're going to do this tour. It's going to be sick. And uh, we are on our way to the first show. We made it through, we made it through the France, Netherlands, Belgium. We're like somewhere in Germany. And we're cruising. We're like on the Autobahn. And it's raining. And it's the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, all the lights in the van just shut off. And we have no And we're like hauling ass down the Autobahn. And he's like, dude, I'm trying to start it. I'm trying to start it. Like, he won't start. And there's, like, not really anywhere to, like, safely pull over. So we, like, pulled over in a construction site. Oh, wow. And, like, we're like, shit, what do we do? We're, like, broken down in the middle of the night, in the middle of Germany, in a storm. Um, And he doesn't speak German. None of us speak German. And, like, within, like, a couple minutes, there's, like, two cops walk up to our windows and they're like, you know, flashlight in the windows and everything. (laughs) Um, And as soon as he rolls down the window, the cops like, what are you, what are you guys doing? We're like, dude, our, our van quit working. Like we're trying to get it started. Like, you know, we're trying to call a tow truck or something or whatever. And he, and he gets all of our passports and sees that one guy is from France and the rest of us are from the U S and then he just starts screaming at us like asking us what drugs we were on (laughs) and we're like dude we're not on any drugs we got off a plane and into a van and now we're stuck here like can you help us or anything and eventually a tow truck showed up and we got towed um and they towed the van to this like garage and like locked the van in there for the night, even though they told us it was like 24 hours and they'd be working on it. They just like shut everything up and locked us out. So we were just like standing on the side of the road, 
in the rain with like our backpacks. Oh my God. And we're like, cool, what do we do? <laughs> um, so we we got a hotel. Um, but because it was like a, a French made van, they like didn't have the parts at the garage, so they took it to some other garage and it ended up we were sleeping in like some sketchy hostels, chilling on the side of the road, <laughs> like all that kind of stuff for like four days in Cologne, Germany. And we missed the first four shows of the tour. Like just being stranded in Germany. And we went back to the place, got our gear, got a taxi to the airport and rented a Ford galaxy. It's like a station wagon for seven people. The merch boxes wouldn't fit. So we had to put our merch in like garbage bags. (laughs) We had, we were putting people in the seats and then putting like guitar cases on top of people and stuff. And it was a nightmare. We made it to Vienna, Austria. And uh, that was the first show. We loaded in. We ha- we met all the dudes in, in like Suffo and Cattle Decap and everything. Hmm. And we're like, dude, finally, we get to play a show. We get to play a show. We go to Soundcheck because we're like the dead first band. And it was the first time we had ever used tracks before because we had like a lot of like digital like sampling and stuff. Um, on top of what our keyboard player was doing hmm. that was on the record and the li- the label was really pushing like oh all that digital like like record scratch noises and this and that like they need to be there you know what i mean yeah and we had never used tracks or nothing before so we didn't know a ton about it but it had always worked in practice and like we were good with it and uh we get to on stage and our drummer plugs his mixer in and the power is different over there and uh he had plugged his stuff into an adapter not a converter or something like that and it fried his mixer for Hmm. like the tracks Hmm. so the correct thing to do would have been to just play without without the tracks um because it really wasn't like a big part of what we were doing but we were like determined to do this and you know we worked with the sound guy and he's like yeah i'm just gonna pan your track so you're gonna hear clicks in all your monitors but they you won't hear the clicks through front of house and like we did sound check and even like walked out in front of the stage and everything to make sure the clicks were not coming out front and it's all good and then we played the whole show. We get off stage after everybody just looking at us confused. And we thought that maybe Austria was just a tough crowd. <laughs> and we got off stage and the sound guy had gotten drunk and took the pan off. Oh, my God. So we had click tracks through front of house the entire set. Mm. After dealing with all this shit. And we get off stage and the guys in Suffo were just like, man, what was that? They're like, what do you mean? They're like, man, your clicks were coming through louder than your whole band, full set. Wow. It's like, dude, you, anyone could have said something, we would have turned them off. Well, like, the, the sound guy needed slapped first. Yeah, I mean, we were we were not having a good day. So that was the top one that I can think of right off the bat from the early days. Before you go on, like you said, your 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 label at the time wanted you to use samples. They actually had like creative control or input to how you guys should have sounded 
it was it was more like uh like we wrote the stuff you know in the studio with the producer and everything like it was part of the song Mm. but it was like more so like you know like record scratches or little like stutters and stuff in certain parts before breakdowns and stuff like some like new metal kind of stuff right it wasn't like a whole instrument being tracked or like okay something like that and then and you know we were just gonna play without it live yeah and they were like no dude all the big bands are using it like you guys should absolutely have that stuff there like fans are gonna be expecting it so yeah so we did it and that was our first failed attempt at that um and then we did not use those tracks the rest of the tour um and uh yeah, so that was that was a bit rough, but no, I wouldn't say they had any kind of like creative control. It was just oh, okay. like, they were like, "You guys should definitely use those tracks and like do that live." Yeah, it's part of the theatrics, you know. Yeah. Every every little thing you'd expect that makes yeah, sense. Okay, we don't. Uh, yeah, it wasn't like a whole instrument or like a guitar track or like right, like, right. I got um, but the the other one was the first time we tried to go to Canada. <laughs> and uh we get to the border and they like looked at everybody's record and like somebody on our crew had like a charge from like six or seven years prior for like something just stupid hmm. and they were like he can't come in here we're gonna arrest him or whatever and they started like going crazy but then we're like fine like we'll take him back to michigan and have him go home or whatever, and then we'll we'll come back. Man. And they're like, "Well, our dog hit on your bus, so we're gonna search your bus for weed." And I'm like, "Okay, we cleaned the bus before we came up here because we knew you guys were gonna search our bus for weed." Hmm. So we knew there was nothing in there, but they were determined, and they pulled all of our amps and everything, all the gear had to come out of the bus. Mm. They were opening every guitar case. (laughs) They were taking the screens off the front of our amps and, like, looking in there. They pulled (laughs) all the mattresses out of all of our bunks and, like, threw them outside the bus in the snow. My God. Uh, They were going through our pillowcases. They were going through all of our duffel bags. Like, seriously, like, dogs like just growing through like our underwear and shit (laughs) uh and they were even pulling like they had a screwdriver out man and they were like pulling panels off the inside of the bus my god looking in like the walls of the bus uh to make sure we didn't like hide weed in the walls dude this is just for weed i mean you could have like well and then we had (laughs) we had like a makeup mirror you know, and we like, oh, there's obviously some makeup on it. They're like, if we swab this and test it, is it going to show cocaine residue? And like, I just remember a guitar player being like, man, I don't know. I stole that from a venue in Houston. Like, it might. I have no idea. <laughs> right. And uh, so it was just a nightmare. They had like guns drawn on us, like dogs walking around us. They had us all in the parking lot with like our hands behind our head, like on the ground. My gosh. And they found nothing. I feel, I feel like we should put a lawsuit for all that bullshit smoke they brought down here. You know, if that's a payback for trying to go over the border like a normal person, but they got to treat you like you're a fucking terrorist. It, 
And what's funny, man, is you can drive into Canada and buy weed. Right. Anywhere. Yeah. So it's like, it's like this is what you're so worried about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it those were two early days ones that uh mm. that stuck out to me. Wow. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um there's another one you were saying about. Maybe you're not supposed to disclose it. May I look at that? Of the one with the O band, you got kicked off of a tour with them. Yeah, um, it was pretty public. Mm, I guess I didn't like I don't listen to them, so I didn't know. Like it was on a uh, Loudwire and Metal Sucks and all kinds of stuff. Oh, I'm that sure was that... like that was fairly recent, wasn't it? The last couple of years. It was uh, 20, 2017. Okay. Oh, shit. I'm yeah. sure that did. I thought it was. I didn't think it was that far back. Yeah, yeah. We had uh, we had done the first leg of the tour with them, and we all got along. And the turnouts were awesome, and it was great. And they were like, "Hey, come on the second leg of the tour with us on the East Coast," and we're like, "Hell yeah!" Yeah. Um, and there was. I don't know. There was some stupid little petty arguments throughout the tour, you know, without getting into it too much. Sure. Um, and what it boiled down to was like, we literally got calls from their management telling us to dumb down our stage show. Uh. And we had been out on a bigger tour with Testament and Sepultura in a lot of these markets right before this tour. And, like, so there was a lot of people that were coming out to see us and then leaving. Yeah. And there was some uh, some wild egos on that tour. Oh, I see this article now. Okay. And yeah. uh, <laughs> one of the biggest rules on the entire tour was that nobody was allowed to sell merch during her set. The fuck? Like, <laughs> and we were the direct support man. So, like, we get done playing, you're next. Like, oh. what, we can't sell merch till the end of the night now? Um, So that was, like, one of the biggest rules on the whole tour is don't sell merch during your set. So we were playing uh, in Westland, Michigan, and which was the closest to, like, a hometown show for us on that the, to- the Token? Yeah. Okay. yeah. okay, cool. And it was the closest to a hometown show for us on the tour. And a lot of our people came out. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of our shirts in the crowd and we played. It was a great set, you know, whatever. And we got our gear off stage and out of the way. And, uh, you know, the, the, the token lounge has a, like a curtain that they can put in front of the stage between bands. Mm-hmm. Well, every night there was like this little intro thing they did. And that was like kind of our warning to like wrap up our merch sales uh, and shut the merch lights off and stuff. Um, and then you had to wait to sell any more merch until after she got done playing. Wow. Um, because she didn't want anybody looking at merch instead of her. She used to make the venues turn off all the TVs. Um, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, like I said, there's some wild egos on that tour. Oh, man. Um, and... 
we had done that. We had shut down our merch table, all the stuff. But what, what actually happened was because of the curtain, they didn't do their intro. They just at a random point in time opened the curtain and started playing. Um, we didn't sell any more merch after that point. What had happened was somebody earlier in the night had bought a shirt and said, Hey, can I hold this at your merch table? Cause it was like a design that we were almost out of. And he's like, I really want the shirt. I'm going to buy it. And can I come back and pick it up at the end of the night? And we're like, sure, dude. So we wrote his name on a piece of paper and stuck it to the shirt and threw it under the merch table, you know? Yeah. It's really not a big deal. Right. Um, and he came back to get it while she was playing. So she from the stage saw that our merch girl at the time had had handed a shirt over the uh over the merch table. Literally mm-hmm. stopped singing to go tell her bodyguard to come tell us to tear our merch down. And then we got screamed at in the parking lot. We had a day off the next day. Then they were, you know, trying to mess with our time slot. And then there was a big face-to-face argument in Pittsburgh between me and her. And uh, we got thrown off the tour. Um, we made what I felt was a, a fair statement um, as to letting our fans She's know. notorious for being psychotic. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> But there's uh we we made a fair statement. We weren't like sitting there like talking mad shit or anything. Right. We were just like, hey man, we love her whole, you know, hired band and crew. Um, but she's a nightmare to work with. Right. Um, you know, and this is why we're getting kicked off the tour. And this is why we won't be at these next twelve dates. And uh we left it at that. Well, by the time we even drove back to Toledo from Pittsburgh, this shit was on Rockfeed. It was on Loudwire. <laughs> it was everywhere. And then she got off stage and made us made a response and was talking shit and was on our post talking shit. Wow. And uh, it just blew up. And then other bands got involved. And like, I was calling everybody in our band, like, don't do any interviews. Don't say anything. Just shut up. <laughs> Like, just let this go. We don't want to add anything to this. And, uh, yeah, it blew up. And, honestly, we probably sold more merch online in those first couple days that that stuff went up than we would have on the rest of that tour. <laughs> I I would say, yeah, it was a good turnout for you guys in the end, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it worked out. I mean, you know what I mean? And it, it, it yeah. sucks because, you know, I like her music. You know, I grew up, you know, jam- jamming her stuff. Yeah. Um, and as an artist, I still got, you know, all the respect in the world. But I, as, pe- as people, I have no interest to share in the stage again. Well, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I don't even know why somebody has to be that way, especially like now when like shit is like really deep. And again, yeah. as I bring it up on the show, we all lost like two, three years of shows due to the lockdown. And it's like, is there any reason for that now? I mean, I mean, right. other people that have yeah. that huge ego about themselves, no matter what it is, that's just how they are. And I don't understand that mentality, but that's fucking people. I mean, yeah, I mean, that reminds me of a, another 
uh, I'll say vocalist from a, another band who didn't leave a good impression not on us when they came into the area, but I can tell you guys later that one. But it was shocking how big they were, but the way they acted. Well, they weren't that big, but now they're bigger. But it was also a female, so I don't know. <laughs> but we won't get into that, but that's crazy. Like, you know, you. I mean, it's good that you recouped considering you got kicked off the tour because that usually costs money as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was initially rough because it's like, man, we, we had picked up a merch order that morning. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it was – it is what it is. You know what right, I mean? Like, right. it was – what six years ago now right it, it's you guys have done on to better things yeah i was gonna say we're, we're well past all that at this point well, speaking of about six years ago <laughs> did you guys ever remember that you were supposed to like i think you got kicked off a show or not that show but like you, a show got dropped or something and you guys were looking for a place to play and i don't remember if it was you guys or not this is where the mistakes coming we were playing a show and it's out in the middle of nowhere it was actually a few miles from where I used to live. It was in this guy's Sounds garage. Like it was. <laughs> uh, well, I'm pretty sure the band, the guy that booked the show or whatever, like we played in his garage and there was like us and like three other bands. And literally there was like, maybe we played to the other bands. And I remember someone said that, and I'm pretty sure they said your guys' name had a show get canceled. So they needed a place to play. So they're going to come out here and play with us. And I was like, why the hell would that band want to come out here and play? And sure enough, like a van rolled up. It was like a van with a trailer behind it. And they slowly creep by and then just took off and didn't even pull in. They just kept going. <laughs> what, what venue was that? It wasn't a venue. It was a dude's garage. Like, in, what city? It was in Indiana. It was just Converse, Indiana. I don't, was, I don't recall that. It was in like May of 2018. We would have been in the bus by then. Yeah, this was a van. It was I had a trailer behind it. There was some touring band. I swore I swore they said your guys' name, and I was like, because I knew who you were, because knew who you guys were, and I was, the first thing I thought was like, why would they want to come here to play? <laughs> yeah, like no, looking... I have I have no idea. No, that wouldn't have been us. Twenty eighteen, like I said, we were we were in a bus already. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea then who it was. I know it was a band that was on tour because that was what the thing was. And like, they legitimately like drove up to the driveway. We, everyone was like looking at us we're out in the driveway, we played in the garage. So there's like maybe 20 people standing there watching this band. And all of a sudden they just took off wide open and then they never came back. That's weird. Maybe it was the, maybe it was converged. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it, it could, it could have even been a band that was maybe on tour with us. Maybe. I don't. We had a show drop or something. I don't know. I just the guy that booked it or whatever. I didn't hear directly from him. Like I heard people talking about it, and then like when they drove off, and like I swore that someone said that was you guys, and I was like, no, I just thought to myself, like I don't blame them for driving off. I would have too. <laughs> oh, dude, we we would have straight played that garage for sure. Yeah. I don't know. That that's that, been that, one of those <laughs> questions I've had for like five years now. I was like, I wonder if that was really that yeah. band. That is uh, cool that yeah. you admit. Sorry, that is cool. You admit you're still humble about whatever playing, you know. I mean, at the, I mean, you know, I would, I, I actually play it anywhere. I would actually play it. I don't give a shit, but yeah, you know, some I don't band, care where I play, but like, so my was... band is like, no, we don't do that. I'm like, what the fuck? I just like playing. I don't give a fuck. There's no money in it. 
doesn't matter. Well, that was the thing. Like, no one was going to get paid. And right. if I'm on tour and I'm not even from this area and someone says, oh, there's a venue to go play a show and you come roll it up and it's just a garage, it'd be like, nah. it's a little disheartening, but still, I would do it. But it's not like. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I could I could already hear what would happen in our bus. It would be like, dude, is this somebody's garage? <laughs> yeah. Sick. <laughs> and we'd be pulling up and being like, "All right, who wants to party, dude? Garage show, right?" Because there's less stress involved. In like, why not? Thing. Yeah, you don't have the tied up any schedules that just get on your nerves, yeah. and then dealing with other people. So yeah, yeah. I, I could see why that there's a you know pro to it. They've been some of the fun shows, and then there's been other times where it's like it almost gets depressing because you're there is no one there. It's like you're just having band practice with a couple other bands watching you have band practice. Right. Yeah, that it happens. It sucks. We've played venues where we've played to other bands though too, so it happens all over, not just in garages. Oh yeah, yeah, so, for sure. That's that's what I mean. Like, dude, we played shows that were like build as festivals and there's like fourteen bands and like eight people show up. <laughs> yeah. A for Been there too in Michigan. A for effort. Um so I was gonna say, like, have you had any had any crazy fan interactions or weird things happen to you? Uh, I mean, I'm sure. I can't. I can't oh. really think of one that uh, jumps out particularly. Oh, just random shit. You ever had a fan actually like say like that you r- rang all your sweat from your dreads into the barbecue sauce? Do what? Have you ever had a fan walk up to you and say, "Did you ring all the sweat?" From your dreads into your, oh. each bottle of barbecue sauce. Nobody has ever asked me that. I asked you that once at the Michigan Metal Fest. <laughs> that was me. That was, you probably did. I don't remember that. Yeah, I did, it was rain. It was rainy as hell, and like it was last year. Yeah, it rained like a motherfucker, okay. and I, I was like, "Oh, it's Keith." I finally well, get to I, meet him. I just sucked then. I guess I was pretty stoked, well, honestly. Well, yeah, like there's so many people there that you're not gonna remember, but I'm like, "Oh, there's Keith. I've been friends with him." on facebook forever but i never met him so i haven't talked to you and then when i saw yeah. you again walking with your lady like you were getting food and i said that to you and you just like you're like was it any good though how's the sauce i'm like it's pretty good <laughs> yeah no i i don't know man like michigan metal fest was uh was a whole ass day last year oh yeah it was uh we were so wet oh yeah it, it was it was bad it wasn't just like raining for a little bit rain for hours me and my brother-in-law had to leave we couldn't deal with it no more yeah we, we were on tour too so like we had to load into a festival the next morning at 9 a.m in rockford illinois <sighs> and none of our stuff got to like dry dude we were opening drum cases with like water spilling out of them oh my god the next day like all our stage clothes were just like just as wet couldn't tell though. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't tell they're they're all kind of you guys look corpsey anyway but yeah right. the feeling of being in nasty sponginess not yeah fun. That, i mean we're we're used to that but like when you put on clothes that are like rain soaked from the day before like yeah that's a whole new level of like this sucks <laughs> well you got through it right <laughs> yeah yeah we place any uh I guess any cool stories about some of the famous people that were pleasant to you that you met? That were pleasant to us? Yeah, like you're like, oh my god, uh, I finally get to meet so and so, and it's like, oh, cool. oh yeah, dude. Oh, sure. uh, 
first one that popped into my head, honestly, was Corpse Grinder. Yes. Uh, we were on tour with, I've listened to Cannibal Corpse, like, since I knew what death metal was. Same. Um, and I literally, like, we had just gotten off stage in Tampa. Uh, we were on tour with Testament and Sepultura. Mm. And we had just got done playing. I'm on the bus, dude. Like, I don't even have pants on. And I, I look out the window and I'm like, dude, is that corpse grinder? It's just me and Ron on the bus. And I'm like running over there to meet him, like still trying to put fucking pants on. <laughs> and he's just looking at me like, what the hell? And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry that I'm still putting pants on. But I just had to come over and meet you, man. And he starts laughing. And he's like, did you guys already play? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, damn, I wanted to catch you guys. And I was floored that he knew who I was. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was holding this tray of cookies. And uh, he had somebody with him. And I was like, dude, can I get a picture with you? And he's like, yeah, but not with these fucking cookies. (laughs) And he, he hands them off. And I guess they were for Chuck Billy. And uh, I, he took pictures with me and Ron. It was really cool. He goes, you know what, man? I'm going to come out to Orlando. Well, to, Orlando was two days later. And uh, it was like, we played at House of Blues in Orlando, mm-hmm. but it was inside Disney World or Disneyland or whatever the one in Florida is. Um, But it was at Disney. And... <laughs> We got done playing, and the merch area was, like, upstairs on this balcony that was, like, a really thin, like, area for how, how many people were trying to get to these merch tables. And uh, so you kind of had to, like, from our, our merch table, you had to, like, fight through everybody else's line to, like, get out to go to the bar or go to the bathroom or anything. Yeah. And I had... I was like, well, I'm going to go grab a beer, go take a piss, whatever. So I leave our merch booth and I'm walking and I'm on like the one side of the line, you know, and all of a sudden I'm not on my feet anymore. I'm just getting picked up like by my shirt. And I had no idea what was happening because I'm not like a small person. Like that just doesn't happen. Like generally to me. And, uh, all of a sudden, I'm just looking at this black T-shirt, like eye level. I look up, and it's it's Corpse Grinder. He's standing there with a beer, and he's like, "Hey, man, that set was kick ass." And he just started bullshitting about metal with me. Nice. Uh, and like had grabbed me as he saw me walking by, you know, just to say something. And uh, he ended up actually getting a shirt from us and stuff. And I have a picture. Uh, with him with our shirt and stuff at House of Blues Disney. Nice. And every time I've met him since then, he's always just such a cool dude and such a good mood all the time. I would never thought like Cannibal Corpse to be as big as they are. Like you always wanted your death metal heroes to be huge, but like that guy's like an icon now and like yeah, he's still the same cool dude. Like the same dude. Same Uh, dude. Yeah with yeah, he 
Trevor from Black Dahlia was probably one of the nicest dudes I ever met. Oh, yeah, yeah. I uh, moshed with him at Frankie's in Toledo during suffocation one time. <laughs> um, we played a lot of shows with Black Dahlia, and I ran into Trevor at shows a lot because he would always go to all the six shows in Detroit. Yep. Um, and I go to the six shows in Detroit because most of the cool tours don't come to Toledo. Um. <laughs> Is there even a venue like that is able to hold that kind of stuff, or does just skip them? Um, see, because... it goes like we have Frankie's just reopened, but that's a really small place. Mm. Um, it's like a 200, 300 cap room. Uh, the Ottawa Tavern, but that's realistically about the same. Mm. Uh, we have Main Street Bar and Grill, uh, which I throw Toledo Death Fest every year, and that's like two stages, 16 bands. Uh, we had signs of the swarm there this year. Um, you know, and it, it, we end up with about a thousand people a year for that festival, but it's spread out throughout the whole day and it's spread out between a big patio, two merch rooms and another in, indoor stage. So it's like not as hectic as if you just had like a five band show on one stage there, you could only do like maybe 400 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then aside from that, you like jump straight to the arena after that. So if it's not arena big, but it's bigger than like 400, 500 cap, it's probably not coming here. Mm. And plus you got Detroit, which ain't too far. So they probably. Right. Just, and they yeah. have like all the venues. That's how it is like in Indiana. Well, Chicago's right there. We'll just skip Indiana. <laughs> you know, it's right. Sometimes. Yeah. Sure. I understand yeah. why that one. I went and saw Ramstein in Chicago actually mm. uh a year or two ago. And that was pretty phenomenal at Soldier Field. Well, I'm sure that was, that was like their only show in the Midwest though. Mm. I can't so. imagine I can't imagine how many people it takes to put up their stage set up, Jesus. <laughs> I know I watched a time lapse thing and it took like sixty five hours to build the stage. Damn, those guys are paid well. German engineering, damn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Nice. Um, any other uh, heroes you got to meet? Like that were pretty cool. Shocker, whatever. Um, I mean, honestly, like we've met a lot of really cool, a lot, a lot of really cool people. Um, the dudes in Carnifex have always been super nice to us. Uh, uh, I, I saw them one. You know what? It's funny, they look like perfectly chiseled soccer guys, but they're <laughs> death metal, but they're like almost like supermodels. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Took me by surprise. Right uh, Chelsea Grimm was super cool to us when we toured with them. Cool. Um, Suffocation's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, we've met a lot of really cool people, for yeah. sure. I feel like basically your story is not, it's not too bad. I mean, you've been struggling or not struggling, but you've been grinding for a while and there's you're not, your story is too, too dark sidey. I mean, you got a few things here and there, but like, we try to, we try to look at the bright side of things. Sounds like it. I mean, besides like looking evil and mean on stage, like you guys really take your punches 
and obviously yeah. you don't come you don't complain too much about it which is cool like uh that's all you can do is just be positive positive mindset yeah pretty much i'm trying to think of any other bases recovered because you definitely did good things for yourself during the the lockdown with the whole documentary and filling the theater which was like really crazy that you even pulled that off and was was all the band members there did they actually be able to fly yeah out? we flew everybody in damn that must have been a pain in the ass though but cheap <laughs> yeah i mean it was uh it wasn't easy to put all that together for sure and no. it was something we had never done before and i was just like well worst case scenario i get to watch our shit in the movie theater i feel like you may be the mayor of toledo one day if you have your sights set on something <laughs> you know i i was actually uh i was cracking up when i read this this article there's uh the toledo blade which is like the toledo newspaper yeah um the main one that goes out to everywhere the last few years every year they do like a story on me and a story on toledo death fest and like that all these metal heads are going to be coming to toledo um, and they'll do like a, a page or two like story and they'll call like all the main bands and like interview them with like actual reporters and stuff and like write a whole story on it. Dude. And uh, <laughs> it's always it always cracks me up because you can tell when, like, when they write it that they they don't listen to death metal. <laughs> um, so like some of the wording is really funny, like super, super crunchy riffs and distorted blasts. Yeah, like some, some weird description. There's all kinds of stuff, man. I really appreciate that they do it, and it's right. really cool for right. sure. Like I'm stoked about it. Um, but this year they were like Keith Wampler is the most metal man in Toledo, and I just started laughing. Like what, a, what? the hell? That's kind of an honor, but like kind of silly. But I guess it, it was. Yeah, it was. It was an honor to read it, but it also made me laugh, and it makes me laugh every time I think about it. That's cool though. I mean, but, that they're, they take, they take notice. Like my town, shit. I've been born and raised here, and I'm pretty metal. But they don't really do a lot of shows in our my little butt town. But we're not as big as Toledo. I'm assuming. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I mean, Toledo's a, a fair sized city. Right. I've only sure. been there once. I stopped at the brewery there, coming back from like Sandusky. Okay. Mommy Bay or something. I think it was because I'm like, this yeah. place has got to be fucking haunted. That's the first thing I said. Oh, yeah. I actually just had lunch there the other day. Did you? I, yeah. I was looking at all the, uh, it's like a room full of like antiques or something. Well, it was all antiques, really. All the whole, it was yeah. covered in. It was cool. Nice. Well, shit. Like, let's see how much time we got, Brandon. I know uh, Keith wanted to leave in an hour or something. We've been going sure. on for over 90 minutes. So we can wrap this uh, up. Oh yeah, we wanted to keep you. He's a busy guy. <laughs> Sweet. Well, Keith, typically for the end of each episode, we ask if there's a song from your project that you would like for us to feature. We basically play whatever song you send me. So if there's something that you would like for us to have on the end of this episode, you can talk about it a little bit and plug your band and where they can check you out at and then your latest happenings. Okay. Well, uh, Realistically, I would I would love to have it be something off the new record, but we're not allowed to release that yet. Mm. Um, so I would probably pick one of the dead. Um, it's a single off 
uh, our Monument of Misery album from 2019. There's a music video on YouTube. Um, and the video was actually filmed during the lockdown. Um, Toledo Death Fest was supposed to happen. And we had a bunch of people that had like taken off work and like had plans to be there and whatever. And then obviously it just like, it was going to be too big to make it happen safely at that time. Mm. Um, so we had to cancel it and we had a video dude coming down from Minnesota and like, we had already paid him to come down and film stuff at Toledo death fest. And he's like, well, I have the time off. Do you guys want to film something else, a video, you know, whatever? So we called up as many of our fans as we could. And a homie hooked us up with, a, like, his parents' barn and, like, their <laughs> farmhouse, like, land and stuff. And uh, we had a bunch of our actual fans come out and be, like, zombies, basically, in the video and just, like, kill each other. And we had somebody there doing, like, gore effects and stuff like that. And it was like a 14 and a half hour shoot, um, which was pretty intense because it was also like 90 degrees. Um, But pretty cool video to check out. Um, But I can send you that song afterwards or whatever. And uh, as far as anything we got coming up, we're about to leave for the one of the dead tour. Uh, We're headlining all the way across the top of the U.S., the whole West Coast. Uh, we're playing with Jungle Rot at the Loudest Hell Festival in Canada. Have a few more Canadian dates and then uh, some Wisconsin and Michigan dates at the end. We're also headlining Northern Wisconsin Metal Fest this year. And we're playing in Pontiac, Michigan, September 19th with Attila uh, for the 10 years of About That Life. Um so yeah, and we'll be announcing some more stuff soon. We've got a new album coming out later this year on Cleopatra Records that we're pretty excited about and definitely ready to put out there. So that's it. That's all we got right now. That's that's a mouthful. Damn, dude. You don't sleep. <laughs> a lot more than a lot of people. Yeah, they don't sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Keith, I definitely appreciate you coming out here and talking with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yep. And uh Look forward to checking out the new album when it comes out. For sure. Thank you guys so much. Yep. Thank you. Anyone out there that wants to be on Dark Side of the Scene, send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we'll get you scheduled on a future episode. We're going to roll on out. So thanks, everybody. <laughs>